Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, May 2nd, and this is your FT News Briefing. China is leading the world in IPOs, and Germany wants more immigrants. Plus, we'll talk about what J.P. Morgan gets out of its rescue purchase of First Republic. Well, first off, I think Jamie Dimon gets to be the hero. I mean, he likes to be the hero. He thinks of himself as the dean of banking. There is more to it than just that, I promise. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Initial public offerings have dwindled in the U.S. and Europe. Companies are holding off with all this economic and financial uncertainty. In China, though, it's a very different story. Pandemic restrictions are over. There are new streamlined rules for listings in Shanghai and Shenzhen. And so far this year, Chinese IPOs have raised five times as much money as IPOs in the U.S. Chinese companies have raised about $20 billion in new stock market listings, according to DealLogic. That's more than half of all the funds raised by IPOs around the world. The fate of First Republic has been decided. The struggling lender will be swallowed up by America's biggest bank, J.P. Morgan Chase. U.S. regulators brokered the deal and made the announcement early morning yesterday before markets opened. This follows two other nerve-wracking bank collapses, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. To talk more about this, I'm joined by a very sleep-deprived Brooke Masters. Hey, Brooke. Hey, Mark. So this is now the third bank the FDIC has taken over in the past two months. Are people confident that it's going to be the, the last, or is there still concern about lingering contagion? Nobody wants to cause a bank run by saying, oh my goodness, more banks are going to fail. But there have been comparisons to the SNL crisis of the 1980s, which saw something like 900 banks fail over the course of a decade. So I think no one wants to say never, say never. Um, it's, a, it's a tough question. Okay, so some people are comparing this crisis to the savings and loan crisis, but there's also been a lot of confidence since this deal has closed. I mean, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon came out and said that the crisis is over. I mean, that takes a ton of confidence. Yep, but you know, Jamie Dimon does not lack for confidence. Um, I think other people are not as sure. The big concern, I think, is commercial real estate, which is having a hard time because it is a sector that is always heavily affected by rising interest rates, which is what we're having right now. Plus, work from home means that lots of companies don't need as much office space. So it's already a sector under pressure. And it is a sector that a lot of the lending comes from these regional banks, which is where the problems have been so far. So if commercial real estate goes bad, it will hit hit banks that are already having a tougher time. Um, and I think that's what people will watch. If commercial real estate sorts itself out without big problems, then it's not a big deal. But if it, if it has trouble, that is going to be an issue. Right. And we actually we said on yesterday's show that Charlie Munger, Berkshire Hathaway, has is, is flagged commercial real estate as a big issue. We've also talked about the issues in Europe. It's definitely one we're going to watch. But I, I want to go back, Brooke, and talk about the deal itself. What exactly is in it for J.P. Morgan? 
Well, first off, I think Jamie Dimon gets to be the hero. I mean, he likes to be the hero. He thinks of himself as the dean of banking. He's one of the last surviving CEOs from the, who survived the financial crisis. He runs America's biggest bank. Um, he can't ever buy other banks in a normal circumstance because there's a law in the U.S. preventing a bank with more than 10% of deposits from buying any other one. J.P. Morgan can only buy when there is a collapse. So I think he's very keenly aware of that. Um, what they get in First Republic is a bank that had a tremendous reputation for brilliant customer service. Its customers love it. So it's getting that, and it obviously is losing the first, it's going to get rid of the First Republic name. So it's going to have to ha- work hard to hang on to these customers. But J.P. Morgan has been trying to grow its wealth management division and its sort of mass affluent, which is like rich but not super rich division. And that's exactly what First Republic does. And so J.P. Morgan's going to get some really dedicated staff and hopefully have a chance to hang on to some really, you know, striver clients. I mean, these are entrepreneurs who are making it. You know, they, they're often in the younger part of their careers and they're, you know, over time they're going to become really rich. And if they decide to stay, it's going to be a great deal. But what are, what are your final thoughts on the past few days? I mean, we're talking and you are on like five hours of sleep, if that. I mean, that's probably being generous. I mean, what, what did the last 48, 72 hours feel like and what what do you feel like coming out of it? You know, I would like to believe that this is the last big, you know, wobbling bank I'm going to cover, you know, and I did 2008 and I had a nice break. Um, I would like to believe <laughs> that I'm going on to another break. I worry a bit that um, we are not yet quite at the the problems that are causing these bank runs. Hopefully it won't be as scary, but the reality is the, the, the interest rates are rising really quickly. The U.S. banking sector is a very large boat, and it's kind of trying to turn and adjust to the fact that what the way it's been doing business for the last 15 years has to change. Cracks and strains show. I would really like not to be up again till it was. I actually got two and a half hours of sleep, so I'm five would be great. <laughs> but you know, I think it will would be surprising if. Other cracks did not show, but they may not be as bad as this. I mean, this was a big bank to go down. This bank was worth $25 billion in the middle of February. It's now, if you own shares in it, it's worth nothing. Amazing. Brooke Masters is the FT's U.S. financial editor. Thank you, Brooke. Thanks for having me. Businesses in Germany have struggled with rising energy costs and supply chain issues, but the problem that's eclipsed all of them is the country's labor shortage. Germany's labor minister, Hubertus Heil, told the FT's Berlin bureau chief, Guy Chazan, that companies were desperate for staff. In the coming weeks, Germany's parliament is expected to approve immigration reforms to address all this. Guy joins me now to talk more about it. Hello, Guy. Hi there. Guy, can you talk a bit more about how serious this worker shortage is right now in Germany? Well, Germany definitely has a very serious problem in that it has a shortage of skilled workers, which is sort of rippled really throughout the economy now. And uh, it's affecting all industries, all sectors, the public sector, the private sector. I mean, Heil in the interview quoted a figure that said that uh, a statistic that said that Germany will lack 7 million workers by 2035 if the government doesn't do something. He warned that this would be a real break on Germany's economic growth. Uh, so it really is a very serious issue. So as you report, there are these immigration reforms coming down the pike. Is it an overhaul? Are they just tweaks? 
Uh, there are very much tweaks to the system, but they're quite significant tweaks. I mean, basically, it's it's kind of making it a bit easier uh, for people to work in Germany, even if they don't have a German professional qualification. That's been one of the big hurdles so far. They're also introducing something called a chance card. It's basically uh, similar to the Canadian points-based system. And that allows people to earn points uh, based on their vocational training and experience, whether they have a connection to Germany and speak German and are younger than 35. And the more points you earn, the easier it will then be to come to Germany. Is the government trying to recruit certain types of immigrants, Guy? For example, those with a certain skill or education level? It's really across the board, but uh, there are certain areas of the economy where they really need skilled workers more than others, predominantly the IT sector. And um, Heil was sort of hinting that they're going to now do a massive kind of advertising and recruitment campaign in countries like India, which obviously have a lot of IT workers, uh, to get them to come to Germany. Um, he and the foreign minister, Annalena Baerbock, are going together to Brazil soon. And I think they're also going to be trying to recruit Brazilians into the German care system, uh, because that's another really, really serious problem. The country just does not have enough care workers uh, and hospitals and um, care homes are really seriously uh, suffering from that. Are people worried that more immigration could lead to social or political conflict? I mean, can, can Germany even handle a new influx of immigrants? It's a tricky one. I mean, we now have this uh, right-wing party called the Alternative for Germany, the AFD, uh, which is doing quite well. And they're very, very anti-immigration. So uh, there is opposition to this uh, among certain sectors of German society. But on the whole, Germany has, over the last 10, 15 years, maybe 20 years, become a much more liberal place, which with less of a hang-up about immigration as you saw with the enormous um, influx of uh, refugees uh, and from, uh, from Syria, from the Middle East, from North Africa in 2015 and 16, when more than a million people arrived in Germany and they were absorbed very, very well. I mean, it was an extraordinary achievement really to absorb that many people. And I think that has shown that Germany's capacity to adapt and to be more uh, inclusive and welcoming to foreigners. Um, it's really been a significant change in this country over the last um, generation or so. Guy Chazan is the FT's Berlin bureau chief. Thank you so much, Guy. Thank you. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. This is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.